0: 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6 has our, been our study. We're focusing on verses 3 through 5 today. If you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God, beginning of verse 1, chapter 10. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I purposed to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walk according to the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, thank you for your mercy and grace that is new every day. Lord, as we look at our brother Paul and we think about our surroundings and our society, Father, I please pray that we will understand that there is victory in spiritual war. But we must identify our enemy and we must understand our weapons and what works and what doesn't work. Lord, help us. Help us be found walking worthy. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and help us to watch you do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think Or imagine to your glory and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Paul moves into chapter 10 and he basically for the rest of this book is going to be dealing with different aspects of spiritual war. And there is a mass marketing ministry on spiritual war today. And I I get tickled because even some of these guys run around and give them demons names. I thought that was the Three Stooges, but I was, guess I was wrong. But they like to give them Latin names because I think they're Latin demons. What I have watched is, is that it is corrupt. It is non-biblical. It has no point, And you might as well, as I shared with you last week, take an airsoft gun and try to shoot down the Berlin Wall. It had the same effect. All right? So as we move into this, he sets the parameters in the first six verses on what the soldier must look like to deal with victory in spiritual war. I do not believe anybody would want to get into a spiritual conflict and not want to win. I guess if you want to, go ahead. I'm not one of those. When I look at this and we started it out, we saw that there has to be compassion. The Apostle Paul knew the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, and he says he was going to deal with it. And meekness and gentleness of Christ. All right. There had been people who had accused the Apostle Paul that when he writes letters to the churches, he can be bold and confronting. But when he's face to face, he's a wimp. And the Apostle Paul said, "Uh, I don't want to come back there and be bold. Because Paul also understood that you have the compassion of Christ, but yet you also have to have courage. Are you confident for the task that is set before you? When you go into the battle, you're going to war. You're not going in here to play games. And you have the eternal destiny is on the line. And I think many of us these days have bought into what I call Hollywood theology, that we're out there fighting demons that are, you know, causing us to do weird things. That's nowhere in the Bible. It ain't in there. I had a a guy accuse me one time. He says, well, what you, your problem is, is in the community you're in, you need to bind the demons. And I said, well, I have a problem with that. And he says, what's that? I says, who keeps letting them loose? Because you believe that that's what you're, you're doing. And I want to know who's cutting them free because something's just not working here. I think about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he was tempted by Satan. Creature trying to tempt creator. Why didn't he bind him? What did he do to defeat him? Quoted scripture. Interesting concept, don't you think? Paul says, if I have to come back In my confidence and courage, I will. Because I know some of you regard us as being in the flesh. Meaning that the Apostle Paul wasn't legit. So he makes a statement in verse 3. He says, though we walk in the flesh. And that's a good statement because he's basically saying, hey, I'm human. I have the same frailties as any human. Okay, But he makes this comment, we do not war according to the flesh. And I want to go back over this quickly because I watch the church today for the most part. Okay, they are in spiritual war. I, I, <laughs> this came up as a topic this week uh, amongst a bunch of pastors and they're all, they all feel the darkness. And whenever I get people getting into the feeling of the darkness, um, it is so difficult for me to keep my mouth shut. Because I, I want to know what does the darkness feel like? I mean, you know, Because if I bump into it, I want to know, Oh, I must have just bumped into the darkness. Anyway, let me tell you how they're fighting a war. They're taking Nerf guns into an eternal battle. Okay? They have things that I call mood enhancing. They have what they call artificial atmospheres. You have to set the atmosphere. They have psychology... They have philosophy, they have a a new phenomenon, well, semi-new, what I call religious showmanship. They have entertainment, they have cleverness, they have personalities, skilled speakers, ingenuity, organizations, strategies, human plans, rationalism, human wisdom, and even reasoning. Okay? Really? How does that work? How does that work? The Apostle Paul here says in verse 3, We do not a war according to the flesh. We do not use these weapons that I just gave you. That the bulk of Christendom today is using. He says, "Our The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful. Paul says, I am accessing God's armory and I'm using God's weapons because they will destroy what is before me. The battle, spiritual warfare I gave you is as simple as you can get. Okay? And I want you to hear this because it has nothing to do with fallen angels. Okay? First, we fight To defend truth. We fight for the honor of Christ. We fight to reach the lost. And we fight to sanctify the saints. Now which of those weapons that I gave you of the flesh. Is going to accomplish that. We are against a formidable enemy. And let me tell you something about your enemy. Gimmicks ain't going to do it. Techniques are not going to do it the end of verse 4, we see these enemies. The destructions of fortresses. It's an interesting word in the Greek, Acropolis. The large cities in the Greek Empire would take the high ground and they would build a fort on top of it. Great walls and towers. And if the city was ever attacked, then everyone would go to the high ground and they'd get inside of the Acropolis and they would defend themselves until they vanquished their enemies. So, Paul uses a term that everybody wouldn't understand. If you go to Ephesus, there's an Acropolis. There's one in uh, Athens, there's one in Corinth. You go through where the Greek Empire was the strongest, you will find Acropolises. They take the highest place in the city and they build a fort on it, uh, this massive fortress, huge, usually 10 to 15 foot thick walls with towers on top of it to fight from. Paul knows that we have a formidable enemy. And he says here in his terminology, for the destruction of this. These fortresses. And it literally means to demolish it. To demolish it. If you're going to demolish a ten foot thick wall, you're going to need an extraordinarily big gun. An airsoft gun is not going to do it. You know what? This term here that he uses for fortresses, if you look at some of the secular Greek, it is also translated prison. So a fortress can be a prison. And I see that in this writing here. The place that they think is their safety is the place of their imprisonment. Okay? Okay? but it will eventually become their tomb. John Calvin said, that speaking of this word here, it is the prisons of the damned. Unquote. These fortifications cannot be stopped by human means, human methods, manipulation, techniques, because these strongholds um, sinners have entrenched themselves in will never yield to foolish weapons. You're going to trick them? Really? Let me manipulate them. Let me change their mood. Let me entertain them? I don't think so. The goal isn't to hit the wall. The goal is to destroy it. So there's not two rocks standing on each. Obliterate it. He defines it further in verse 5 we are destroying speculations. In verse 4, it was a metaphor, the Acropolis. We must destroy the high places. Then he calls it speculations and every lofty thing. We are destroying these forts. We use divinely powerful weapons for destroying these fortresses that are speculation, these lofty things that are raised up against the knowledge of God. It starts getting a little more specific. Please hear me. I'm talking about spiritual warfare, and I hear what everybody wants to do, and they're wrong. I am going to war over speculations and lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God. That is my battle. That is my war. The first word you see here, speculation, log of gizmo. It means thoughts, ideas, opinions, reasoning, philosophy. Theories, ideology, and in some cases, it's even religion. These things that are raised up against God. When I think about false religion, it's got to come against God. Mormons come against God. Jehovah's Witnesses come against God. The Catholics come against God. Okay? The thoughts, the concepts, the opinions, that's the fortresses. They're formidable. And men hide behind them. Go look at history. They are ideas, they are philosophical. They even permeate false religions. In their forts, they try to hide and fortify themselves against God. Note it ain't a demon, it ain't a demon. It's kind of fascinating, don't you think? It's ideas. The war is for the mind. The war is for the mind. Too many think that we should chase demons. And yet the Bible doesn't teach that. There's no taking authority over them and to send them somewhere or to bind them or chain them or anything. It doesn't say anything about them. It says they're there. People ask me, do you believe in demons? Absolutely. But I'm not supposed to battle them. It doesn't even tell me I'm supposed to go talk to them. There's nowhere in Scripture do you find Christians having face-to-face with demons. There's never a spirit-to-spirit battle with demons. Are they involved? Sure. Let me share with you something about demonic work. Okay, because it really hasn't changed. Okay. When Eve was approached by the serpent, you understand the serpent is a demon, right? What did he tell her? If you eat of this, you will know as God knows. Right. If you go to 1 John, it says we battle an enemy who's after the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Correct? How does he do that? Through your pride. You go look at the ideologies, the opinions that are everywhere. What are they doing? High and lofty, raised up against the knowledge of God. Paul's already told us earlier. Hey, I will take the foolish to confound the wise. I will take the weak to overthrow the strong. Why? Their ideas, their fortresses, their entrenched barricades. Now listen, understand that most of this stuff that we tout as high knowledge is coming from seducing spirits. If you eat of this, you will... Noah's God knows. Okay, what is that? Just a tad bit of pride, isn't it? tad bit of pride. You know what has always bothered me about that pride? We think we're going to know. He flung the stars into the heavens and he named them. You ever looked up at a dark sky and seen the stars? I don't know that many names. But he named them. It is the doctrine of demons. It is ideologies. Yes, their source is satanic, demonic, and yes, it is seducing spirits. I know where it comes from. He just tickles the flesh. Remember, come a time when men will want their ears tickled. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. Hypocritical liars. They build up these great walls of these fortresses and it is human wisdom with doctrine of demons behind it. Behind its philosophy. We assault the system. I don't chase spirits. I chase. I defeat the ideology. Our war is for the destruction of fortresses not demons. They, You know what? They're humans. That's where the ideology is being mapped. It's coming from their minds. They have been seduced. They believe that they're all knowing. It is demonically inspired. The ideologies that set up defying. God. He makes a statement here. If you look right there at speculations, the New American Standard translates it am, and, and it's the word chi. It can be and or even, and it means it's a further explanation. Even everything lifted up, everything lofty, every concept, every opinion, every reason, every philosophy, every theory, every ideology, every thought that is against God, we are to destroy it, dismantle it, obliterate it. The pride of man is extremely strong. Extremely strong. That is the fortress. It is very strong. It is very powerful. And it is lofty. Look at it. Look at it. The pride of man erects, entrenches, and fortifies his towers. All men's wisdom and its psychology, its philosophy. I call one... I love science, but there's a huge thing out there today that I call pseudoscience. If I say it, it's true. And I mean, if you listen, we're talking about climate change. I was around, I was in high school when Earth Day was invented. Do you know why we did Earth Day? The ice age was coming. So we ended up getting high compression powerful motors and we started running unleaded gas in them. And we all become a bunch of slowpokes. And then we added Cadillac converters to everybody. Why? Because we don't want to freeze to death. You know what I call that? Pseudoscience. There's no proof to that. Men's wisdom... And it's set against God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 20. He's already dealt with this. The reasoning of the wise is useless. That's what God says. The reasoning of the wise is useless. The worldly wise, they are raised up against the knowledge of God. Look around. Listen, all you have to do is read Romans 1. He says, everyone, all creation can see there is a God. You can't look at what random chance. Really? Random chance. You're telling me there was a great big explosion and here we are. Really? Really? That is foolishness. And yet, it is true science. It's been proven. By who? Who proved it? Okay, but you listen to them now. Well, we know exactly how it happened. And I'm sitting there going, chance is not a power source. It's mathematical probabilities and what you're saying is improbable. Go set a bomb off at the brick plant right now. I don't care what size bomb you use. How many times will you have to blow that thing up before it falls into a subdivision? That's what you're trying to get me to believe. I blew it up and look at all of this. Well, great. But yet, I watched the church said, well, you know, maybe he did it through evolution. Really? All can see that there is a God. He says that they're even without excuse. For they glorify Him not. And they worship creature rather than creator. They fortify their own false systems. And they raise their systems up. And it is against the knowledge of God. The gospel. They deny divine revelation. They deny divine redemption. That makes them anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christ. Ideologies that are coming out of the kingdom of darkness. They are carried by men and they are lifted up as if they are lofty. Speculations. These things must be destroyed, obliterated. The Apostle Paul knew this. He had lived in one of these fortresses. He was born and raised in one of these fortresses. It was an anti God Judaism. The place that a man could earn his own salvation by his own self righteous works. And he was adamant about it. Paul believed, he believed that he had gained heaven by his deeds. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised. He was in the tradition of the Pharisees. He knew what these fortresses were, these ideologies. He was zealous toward the wall. He said he was blameless when it came to the law. He believed he had achieved his own salvation. Yet in Acts 26, 9, he says, I have done many hostile things against the name of Jesus. He had set himself in his fortress against Christ. He had raised it up. He had lived in it. He had come to the knowledge of God. His own proud ideologies he deceived, was imprisoned, and was headed for damnation. But then, he was attacked on the Damascus Road and his complete fortress was obliterated. Not only was it obliterated, he was taken prisoner. I am chains of Christ. I am a prisoner of Christ. Read his writings. His fortress was completely dismantled. And he became a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. All spiritual warfare is aimed at smashing the fortresses of human reasoning against God. So we understand our fortresses. Do we understand what we are against? And you know what? It's Some of it's religious. Listen, there's two religions in the world right now. I know we like to think there's more, but there's not. There's one of grace and the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the other is men's works. Okay, it's that simple. I know you would like to make it more complicated than that, but it's not. You can reach God or God reached you. Okay? So there are false religions out there, I agree. And yet, there are all fortresses that are against the knowledge of God. But there are also non religions. Okay? And that's what I want to spend a little more time on. Because I don't think you guys understand. Well, I'll just get into it. How's that? It's humanism. Okay. Humanism is what produced evolution. All right. Out of our humanism, we get philosophies, we get psychology, and they all have the same basis. Naturalism. Okay. Naturalism. You look at your politicians right now. I don't care where you're looking. You will find that Probably 95% are naturalists. Okay? They are what they like to call great thinkers. Alright? You look at our judges. Look at how our judges operate and they are naturalists. They believe... Here's their quote... They believe God only exists in the mind. Fantasies of religion are for non-intellectuals. Unquote. Okay? And you know what? It influences every aspect of your life every day. They have control over our courts. They have control over our governments, local and federal, state. They have control over our universities. And even most of our christian universities i know two christian universities that i would recommend right now in the nation two there's only two to believe in a literal 6-day creation okay they believe that nature is all there is and It is an unquestioned assumption. And that is what life is based on. Here's the writings. Man says evolutionary science is the purposeless end of a process that didn't even have man in mind. Unquote. Random act. Poof. You look at our legal decisions... You look at our journalists. You look at our teachers. And you interpret it all with an atheistic naturalism. It is that simple. Here's the, the tenets of, from uh, the silence of finite s- space naturalism. Here's their tenets. First, matter exists eternally. And is all there is. God does not exist. Two. Two. The cosmos exists as a uniformity of natural cause and effect in a closed system. Three, human beings are complex machines. Personality is an interrelation of chemical and physical properties we do not yet fully understand. Four, death is the extinction of the personality and the individual Five, history is a linear stream of events linked by cause and effect, but without overarching purposes. And sixthly, ethics is related only to human beings. Let me explain to you something. That's your battle. That's your battle those who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are considered irrational. That is irrational. Not only that, they believe that those who would put their faith in a God that has never been seen are dangerous to man's freedom. They must have limited influence. That is what one of your Supreme Court justices said. Think about that. Limited influence. Their science says God has no place in public life. Their science says God has no place in education. And God has no place in government. They should not be involved in social policy. They should not be involved in the courts. And they should not be involved in morality. This is the rejection of the intellectuals. Okay? But, they have a love of sin. I remember in the 60s and 70s, great phrase is always used, all the time. You cannot legislate morality. They wanted the church to stay out of it. Right? But you know what I've noticed? You can legislate immorality. Linsky says, it is nothing but a fort of fools, It is a prison that becomes a tomb. Science Digest said this, and I quote, our universe is just one of those things that happens from time to time, unquote. Now you see what I mean by pseudoscience? And let me share with you something. I have read Charles Darwin multiple times. And if you read his in journals, what you'll find is a man of massive torment. And his concluding just a few months before his death was, I believe I was wrong and I've opened the door to hell. That's what Charles Darwin said. But see, we all quote Darwin. Darwin, he got it right. We all blowed up and here we are. But let me tell you some great evolutionist. Okay. There's a guy that everybody follows right now, but they would never admit that they followed. And he was an evolutionist. And he has taken over the church. You know what his name is? Sigmund Freud. He wrote a wonderful paper on paranoia. You know why? He was a cokehead. If you've ever done cocaine, I don't recommend it. You become paranoid. And then you write a... Hey, I'll write a paper. All right? And yet, when you listen to a church say, we want biblical counseling, it's Freudian based. So you've got an evolutionist teaching you what? You want biblical counseling? What are you getting right now? I've been doing this for 20 years. There was a guy named Karl Marx was a wonderful evolutionist. one that you've all heard of, I will give you a a quote of his because he was an evolutionist and I will give you this quote, I quote, I have freed Germany from the stupid and degrading fallacies of conscience and morality. Unquote. You know who that was? Hitler. He was an evolutionist. These great fortresses are formidable people naturalism has immersed itself into the body of Christ and we have accepted it and we have we've been out chasing and binding demons and we missed it and you know what these fortresses you're not going to take these down with an airsoft gun ideas from demonic sources you know what they just really don't come down that easily And they don't play games with it. They are against the gospel. They are against the knowledge of God. They are against the truth of scripture. They are against the honor of Christ. They are against the redemption of souls. And they are against the sanctification of the saints. How powerful. How powerful. Our weapons are so powerful. If you look at the end of verse 5. That they are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me tell you something. when I look at spiritual warfare, the first thing I always comes to my mind, Paul was capable. He was capable. he was competent, he was able. But see, he came out of it. He came out of the fortress. He knew what it was. We will destroy these fortresses. We will smash them to the ground and we will take the people captive in it. You see that phrase right there says, every thought. Okay, every thought. That's an important question, okay? What is in this fortress? Thoughts, concepts, opinions, ideologies, philosophies. Psychology, just go down the list. We are take, going to take these all captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Listen. Go back to evolution. Alright? Evolution is scientifically, not pseudo, scientifically impossible. Okay? Please understand that. Science proved it. It can't be done. The second law of thermodynamics says if you expel energy, you have a decline in matter. How does evolution work in that? And that's a law. Okay, that's like saying, well, gravity doesn't really apply to me. Really? Okay, if 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 you build a brand new house, that's second law. You build a brand new house. It's beautiful. But you know that if you put people in it, they'll tear it up. So I've decided I built the perfect house and I'm not going to touch it. Okay, and it'll stay beautiful forever. What happens to that house? It decays. You know why? The second law of thermodynamics. Alright, it's impossible. You can't expel energy and have an increase in matter. It's a law. The only way I destroy that is by truth. Truth. We are going to take all of these captive. All of these. And that, uh, taking every thought captive in the Greek, it literally means to take a spear and lead a prisoner out. Motivation. Okay? The only way to destroy error is how? If it's a wrong opinion, how do I destroy it? If it's a wrong thought, how do I destroy it? With truth. If you go back to Ephesians 6, you can read through there the blessed parade of righteousness, the helmet of faith, the shield and all the rest of it. But he only has one weapon. He only has one weapon. It is the sword of truth. It is the word of God. We don't fight spiritual war with a bunch of binding demon formulas. We fight it with the Word of God. When Jesus was confronted by Satan and tempted in the wilderness, how did He fight Him? The war we fight is an ideological one. We fight on a level of the mind, thinking, reasoning people. When you find people in these fortresses of ideas, you assault that fortress with truth. That's what we do. That's why we are here. That's what we're all about. Today, we have spiritual war of binding things, and it is silly. The demons must enjoy the heck out of that. You know what? I listen to people talk about, you know, we're, I can feel the darkness. And you know what I've learned? You sit there and you think, you've got to be kidding me. Alright, But you know what? If I come in and I want to point out error, they want to throw me out. Why? Because they are in their fortresses. You know what? We have no rooms in churches today to fight error. And you know what? The demons love it. They're liars. They want to roll out the error. And if they say, well, you can't fight that. That's mean spirited. And yet Paul uses the verb taking a prisoner with a spear. Yeah, that's mean-spirited. Especially if he doesn't walk fast enough. (laughs) We smash the forge to the ground and we put a spear in the back of the prisoner and we march him out to the captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to walk on islands and get saved? Or do you want me to take my spear and stick you with it? It's a pretty good picture if you think about it of rescuing a soul from damning lies. And a person who is not in the fellowship of Jesus Christ is in a place of what? He's not in Switzerland. I'm neutral. True spiritual war is about truth upholding the scriptures. It is about salvation of souls. It is about the sanctification. Do you really believe that Psychology can sanctify a saint. Churches are full of them. The largest number that Denver Seminary graduates now are what? Counselors. These are counselors. You know why? Pastors can't draw on your health insurance, counselors can. Okay. True spiritual war brings honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? We should not be concerned with demons. I don't even want to talk to a demon. I don't need anybody to encourage me to talk to a demon. I had a lady one time we were when we were located downtown. She came up to me and she says, "You know, you're surrounded by a bunch of angels." And I was like, "Well, cool." <laughs> um, and she says, uh, "You won't I can show you how to how how to control them." And I just looked at her and says, "I don't." need that I know their boss I could care less about angels or demons let the Lord talk to them I'm concerned about souls that are damned in a fortification of lies opinions theologies that are wrong we speak truth to a rebellious sinful proudful heart what are you going to use to do that entertainment clever tricks Mood enhancing? I'm trying to destroy fortresses and put them in a place where Christ is Lord. Paul experienced that. Paul was taken prisoner on the Damascus Road. His complete fortress was obliterated in a moment. We attack false doctrine. We old fortresses lie in ruins throughout history. Around the world you can see them. And there's new prisoners of Christ now. You want victory in spiritual war? You need to learn the book. Now listen, I am going to spend a little more time on this because this is crucial. I don't want you to learn what I'm saying. I want you to know what it says. So when the deceiving spirit will come, you defend it. You have ability to look around at your society right now and bring Scripture to bear to crush the fortress. You have to do it. I don't need you people calling me saying, hey, I'm getting ready to go on a spiritual battle. I need you. I have my own. We've got to learn the book. We need to know how to deal with error. Just because somebody says something and he's got little letters at the end of his name doesn't mean a hill of beans. The Bible says it's useless. Do I know how to confront error with the truth? Do I know how to reason truth from the Scripture? You know what? I've had people come to me and, uh, recently actually and say, I spend too much time in the Scriptures. Okay? And that I need to be more involved with people. Really? What weapon am I going to use on them if I don't know how to handle the scriptures? I'm not going to use, if you think I'm here to make you feel better, I ain't. I'm here to take captive. I'm here with a spear. I'm going to crush the fortresses and I'm going to stick them in the back until they bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, do you want to get into this battle of human wisdom with an airsoft gun or a laser guided missile? Paul says, I will not waste my time fighting on your level. With your weapons. But I'm bringing the word. Knowing it will accomplish. What it was sent out for. Error will only fall. Before truth. And the rebellion ends. When truth prevails. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. To bring truth. To abolish and destroy and dismantle these fortresses. If you're going to get into a spiritual war. You need to be competent. But you better have the right weapon. Let me show you the right weapon. The Apostle Paul is adamant about this. We know that you and I need to know the word of God. Okay. Listen. If the only time you ever open your Bible is when you come here on Sunday. You're a sitting duck. You will be tossed with every wind of doctrine that comes at you. And you will have no ability to defeat it. You will be fighting on a fortress, a ten foot thick wall with a BB gun. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17 and following for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would be made void. Verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wife, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Verse twenty. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Chapter 2, verse 2. I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 4. And my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. Verse 5. So that your faith... Do you understand this? Your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You go around... Listen, we're not trying to trick people into false security. We hit them with the word of God because that is the power of God and it will do its work. A lot has been convinced. You know there are so many millions of people who are convinced by the wisdom of men, and that is not salvation. They said a prayer, I walked an aisle, my the hair stood up on the back of my neck. That ain't salvation. You've become a prisoner. Scripture is the weapon that smashes fortresses and takes prisoners. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living. Did you get that? The word of God is living. It is active, sharper than any two-edged sword for the piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is a powerful weapon. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as bond servants for Jesus' sake. That's the power. I'm in chains of Christ. That's what a bondservant is. Chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, verse 7. In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand. That is power. That's the only weapon. And it destroys, demolishes, dismantles these fortresses. Listen, do you realize that man cannot see error until he sees truth? Did you know that? You can't be saved until you understand the gospel. I I, I watch people say, you know, I'm going to take a class on how to share the gospel. Really? Perhaps you should start with step one. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Paul is not content to destroy the false theory. He wants to bring people into the saving lordship of Jesus Christ. And if he has to, he'll bring them in at the point of a spear. Taking every thought captive to what? Taking every thought captive to what? Obedience to Christ. Now, are you ready for this? Because I'm done with this part because this is why you have to be competent. Obedience to Christ. Listen, brothers and sisters. Obedience is always the mark of true salvation. If there is no obedience, there is no salvation. Do you understand that? Why doesn't anybody else understand that? It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm saved. Want to get a beer? Go down to the girly club? What do you think? What? If you love me, you will keep my word. Commandments. Whoever hears my word and does it is my disciple. Why do we have such a hard time with obey? I don't understand that. Whoever you serve, you are obedient to. You can tell. But that's mind boggling. It's maddening. You bring the word to bear. Why? So that you can take every thought captive to obedience of Christ. We are called to war, brothers and sisters. We don't fight by chasing demons. We don't fight. We we do it by knowing what the word of God says. Okay, listen, if somebody asks you a question, and they will inevitably ask you some, What was you thinking? You know what? There's times I just tell people, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I haven't gotten that far. Why? Because one of the things you have to can is pride. I don't know how you're obedient to Christ and have pride. you are called to war. We are assaulting fortresses of lives. Men have built up against the truth, and we do it compassionately, we do it courageously, we do it gently, patient, and bravely, but we have to understand that they are entrenched in war and we go to go, go to war. Only truth can do this. Paul told Timothy, what? Be complicated, Timothy. Understand your the people that you're dealing with. Understand their demographic makeup. Understand whether they're high income or low income. Understand they may have come from a dysfunctional family. Perhaps they're in a dysfunctional. Understand these things, Timothy. No, he didn't. He said, Timothy, preach the word. In season and out of season. You know what that means? All the time. It's either in season or it's out of season. So what are you supposed to be doing all the time? Preach the word. He told Titus, speak the things of sound doctrine. I heard a pastor a week ago tell me, doctrine is so boring. Again, I had that struggle with the thoughts that were going through my head, wanting to fall out my mouth. Speak the things that sound. Opera. Listen, brothers and sisters. I want to see every one of you be victorious in spiritual battle, and you're in it. If you don't think naturalism isn't ruling your life, really, really, has every effect on every aspect of your life. That's why we get funny looking light bulbs now. Why? All, right, all there is is nature, and we got in, can't make her mad. She she hit you with a hurricane or something. Okay, all that is is God getting tired of being called a woman. (laughs) I'm doing it, don't call me mother. (laughs) Listen, I want you all to be good, noble soldiers. And one of the ways you do it and to start into it, to be dressed for battle, is that you must have compassion, you must have confidence in your courage, and you must be competent in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for my brother Paul, what he means to me. I do spend a lot of time with him, Lord. So I guess I am spending time with people. Lord, I pray every one of us that are here this day would be competent soldiers, capable soldiers, Father, soldiers ready for the battle, knowing that these philosophies and reasonings and silliness are all around us. Help us, Lord. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to understand the urgency of our day. And Father, may we step up to defend truth, to bring honor, and hold the honor of Jesus Christ, to reach to the lost and to strengthen the saints. And Father, may we do it by you wielding your sword of truth and the power of your spirit and the authority of the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Christ's name. Amen.